y'all, Marty here, and I am back with Michael, and we're going to be talking about an experiment that Michael's been doing. So Michael is the kind of person that is very indecisive, and he can never make up his mind, for those of you who don't know, but he goes back and forth with everything, gear, computers, Mac, Windows, microphones, interfaces, on and on. This particular project that he's working on is he currently has a Mac and he is setting up windows on there. And, uh, Hey, Michael, how's it going? I forgot you were even there. (laughs) Hey, Marty, thanks for having me on the show this week. I'm glad to be back last week. It was robots this week. It's Marty and I, maybe, is it us? Yeah. Are we real? Yeah, I get, I think, I mean, do I sound pretty fake? Do I sound fake? Uh, Uh, Well, after some audio editing. (laughs) Yeah, magic of audio editing. Uh, Put on a couple of filters and make me sound like a robot. uh, Don't don't wish for something Mm -hmm. that might make listeners run away in fear. Yeah, that is true. In any case, so Michael, uh, how have you been? I've been well. I've been excited to play with this new experiment. So long-time listeners know we've been toying with parallels but i recently uh bit the bullet got it bought got windows set up and set up my environment with my screen reader like how i would actually normally use it and am now using parallels on a regular basis which gives me access to windows 11 honestly because we kept getting windows questions on the show and i'm like well i haven't used a windows computer in like six months so those skills aren't where they need to be so that and and let's be fair one of the tools i use for work works one million times better in windows than it does on the mac and that's i think a combination between the tool and voiceover and the way that apple and voiceover and safari all work together Let's just step back just for a quick sec for those people who don't know. So currently your setup right now is you're running a, I believe it's an M2 Mac Mini, correct? Yeah, I got the M2 Mac Mini, 8 gigabytes of RAM with 256 gigabyte hard drive. And I got that in January. So literally the base model, it was $599. And then I have, I did spend an extra $60 a couple of months ago and bought just a spinning USB a um two terabyte external drive and that's where most of my data is being stored cool all right and so you're running the latest update and you're running all of your tools that you need on there and so in this particular project the thing that you're trying to do is to run windows on that same machine so in order to do that you're running a software that's called parallels so why don't you explain what parallels is for those people who may not know Yeah, so Parallels is a software that's been notoriously inaccessible. And if you want to talk about the fact that it's still inaccessible, then we can discuss that because I think that's an interesting conversation. But Parallels allows you, as the end user, the ability to say, hey, I want to take this amount of resources on my what's called a host computer. So if I say host computer, that's the M2 Mac mini with eight gigabytes of RAM and 256 gigabytes of of storage. Um, So you can say, hey, I want you to take this amount of resources, let's say four gigabytes of RAM of my host machine and make a machine 
that is Windows 11 or Linux or even an older version of Mac OS. And you might be thinking, well, why would I even want to do this? One of the reasons people want to do this is to test things, especially developers. They want to say, hey, how does my, my application works great on the newest Mac OS, but how does it work on Mac OS version 12.0? And so they can spin up a quick virtual machine and test this out. That's what they're called as virtual machines. And then um, it works just as if you were sitting in front of the machine itself that you configure. So in my case, oh, go ahead, Marty. I was going to say, here's an interesting question I think people probably will ask. Um, so you have your main machine and your main machine is using voiceover because it's a Mac. And so that's how you have your text to speech running. But in parallels running Windows, are you using the voiceover on your main machine or do you have a separate Windows, JAWS, NVDA, something like that, that's running in the virtual machine on Windows? How, how does that work in? Okay, so let me break that down a little bit because that's a really good question. VoiceOver is what I use when I open Parallels. Now, think of opening Parallels like opening TextEdit or your favorite text document editing program, right? So right. you have a program open. Now, at this point, you need to open a virtual machine. So I'm still using VoiceOver at this point, and I locate the virtual machine that's called Windows 11, and I open that. Now, once that's open, I have Parallels open, with a Windows 11 uh, window open inside of Parallels, okay? Mm -hmm. So the machine is open, and I don't honestly know what visually is on the screen, but but right now you have a machine open. What you have to do is you have to go up to the uh, menu bar, and then there's an actions menu. And there may be keystrokes for this. Honestly, I need to become more proficient with that, but this is what I do. I go to the actions menu, and then under that is an option that says start. When you choose start, that is like pressing the on button for the Windows computer that you just opened. And then at that point is typically when I turn voiceover off because about three to five seconds later, I hear the, um, any NVDA user knows the tones, the ascending tones that come on when NVDA comes on. And then I hear the windows startup sounds, and then I can use my keyboard inside of windows because anything I do inside of windows, unless I press command tab is handled within Windows. And if I need to Alt-Tab, which is typically what Command-Tab would do, I just use Option-Tab in replacement. And it is it, it does take a minute to get used to, but that's how you would start up an instance and in how your commands are used. Um, because once everything is booted up in that Windows 11 computer, you're then using Windows screen readers and not VoiceOver. Well, that's cool. So, And one of the things so that I think people can understand the parallels uh, way that it works is you're not relegated to only one operating system. So what I mean by that is you install Parallels, you have it running on your machine, and you're running whatever version of Windows that you're running, in your case, Windows 11. But that isn't the only operating system you're able to run in there. You can also have a list when you open up Parallels, and you can choose a multiple operating systems. So like you were saying earlier, maybe you want to do an older version of Mac or maybe you want to do Linux. So you could have all of those in there and pick which one when you see that list, when you open up parallels. So you can have a Windows environment and have that set up and configured. 
Uh, you can get out of that and then you can maybe go to a Linux environment and have that set up and configured and, you know, a Mac environment, maybe on an older Mac operating system. If you're somebody that has something that only runs in an older Mac environment and will not run on a current version, you have a way to be able to still run an older uh, version of an operating system. And so if you have something old that won't run on new, you'll have a way to run it in a virtual machine or, or a virtual background through parallels. So it's definitely something pretty cool to have in your toolbox if you're someone that's always testing stuff, configuring stuff, wanting to mess around, and if you definitely need different operating systems. So Now, one thing... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, continue. Oh, I was going to say one thing that I will say about this is this type of configuring and tinkering is not for someone who just switched over to the Mac. Um, as I said, the Parallels application is, is I would say, 75% inaccessible. Um, getting the whole process set up required me to use a third tool. And I, I think I should, should shout out the proper people who, uh, should be shouted out. I've heard of this tool, but I never checked it out until Steven of double tap was like, Hey, this is how I got parallels to work. I'm like, I should really go look at that tool. So let me give you the problem that parallels has for voiceover users. And then I'll explain how I solved it. And then feel free to ask questions, Marty. So right, sounds good. when you first open parallels and you use your voiceover keys, all you will hear is parallels and then minimize uh, one other button and then close. So there's nothing inside the window. Even if you interact with the parallels option on what appears to be the far right, you don't hear anything. And so what's happening is voiceover isn't seeing the uh, screen there. And, and, I'm hesitating a little because that's slightly inaccurate, but ultimately that's what it is. And I'll explain that in a moment. So in those instances, as a blind user, you don't have the ability to go explore the screen to, to push buttons or actually interact with the app. You're limited to what's available on the uh, menu bar. When I first opened Parallels, I was able to read stuff inside of the application. I was able to go through the process of setting up Windows and, and get that started and make some basic configuration, and that information was read to me by VoiceOver. But then when I got everything configured, it was that screen uh, following to be able to make some final changes and setup that didn't read with VoiceOver or Narrator on Windows. So what I had to do is get a tool called VOCR. And that stands for voiceover optical character recognition. What VOCR does is with a keystroke, uh, by default, it's control shift command W. It'll take a picture of the most uh, frontmost window of your Mac. So it'll take a picture of that inaccessible screen that parallels is showing you that voiceover isn't able to um, use or interact with. And it get it, uh, shows me what that is. And I use different commands. That's control command up and down arrow to go up and down through the screen and then control command left and right arrow to move left and right. So you have to be willing to learn a whole nother key setup in order to, to use this tool. But once you get comfortable with it, it, it works nice and it makes some amazing things become available that haven't been in the past. 
So you do your uh, VOCR, you take a picture of the screen, you uh, move your voiceover mouse uh, cursor over to where it needs to be, you click on it, you finish the setup, and then you get into Windows and you can press Control Windows Enter to be able to start up uh, Narrator and you have access to it. But someone who isn't willing to tinker around and learn that and and willing to experiment to try to make that work might struggle with the intro process of just getting set up. So I just want people to be aware of that. And one other thing we should make people aware of too is that this is definitely not a free solution. So the no. barrier to entry on this is going to be the cost of parallels, which is what now? Uh, Are they $100. Okay, and then, yep. of course, you need a fresh version of Windows, which you also have to purchase, correct? Yep, and I think that's 110. I am full transparency using a trial of Windows right now, but that is available. But yes, I will have to purchase that. Right, so, uh, and then any other utilities or tools you may need. JAWS, to, if you're a JAWS user, you got to still pay for that. Correct, or, or you can go with NVDA, which is a free solution, or, or you narrator. can even do or yeah, Windows Narrator. So there are some options there for a screen reader without having to pay any more money, but I just want to make sure that people understand that the barrier to entry on this is going to be, you know, upwards of a couple to a few hundred dollars, depending on, you know, the tools and the environment and what you're doing and stuff. So it is a little bit of a cost. So in any case, so what was the point of you doing all of this? Is it for a testing purpose of something or what made you want to go through this process to be able to run both Windows and Mac on the same computer? So I was encountering an issue that most people can't replicate and I haven't found anyone else but myself and Demasi and both of us can replicate this in Zendesk. And this is in Ventura. Some tables, you can't interact with the table. Interacting with it doesn't allow you to see any of the content inside of it. In addition, when we were on some views inside a Zendesk and we were trying to navigate tables in there, sometimes focus would just completely jump around. And so I was able to do my job and I was able to get around and, and use things, but it always was a struggle for being able to do my job with some of the tools that we had. It could be done, but it just sometimes was, was frustrating. So I decided to install Parallels and Windows and get everything all set up and actually configure it the way that I would normally use it. As I said, one, because we had listeners asking us questions about Outlook on Windows. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, I have go to the Microsoft answer desk and, and I realized yeah. I was sending more people over there, but also I knew that the experience in Zendesk would be a lot more pleasant. And I'm thankfully am not wrong. And Demasi has even admitted it. Uh, he, he said something about today, how he's using windows and not sure how he feels about it. Cause he's always talked down about it, but it's actually been a pleasant experience once we got parallel set up. So, you know, it, those are the two problems I was trying trying to solve answering listeners questions and being more efficient with work that I was doing, but I like the Mac and here's the interesting thing to think about where we could eventually get to the point where I just work in windows and use windows on the Mac. And then the Mac just handles all the background processes and all my automation. That'd be kind of a interesting time to be in. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if you can get it all configured where it's working seamlessly without having any issues. Of course, that typically doesn't usually happen. There's always some kind of thing that comes up along the way, but that's a part of uh, being geeky and doing all this crazy stuff we do all the time. So, I can give you a reference of one of those. For example, sometimes I'll forget that Command Tab will actually take me back into Mac OS. And in addition, so thinking I'm going to switch applications, I actually switch it back into Mac OS. So that can throw someone off. Um, when you have voiceover off, that can be problematic. When you start hearing Mac OS uh, system sounds, though, then you know that you're out of the window and you need to either turn voiceover back on until you get back into Windows 11 or you can um, just command tab over. When you have Windows 11 running, it is available in your dock. So if you get comfortable with that, you can also pin it to your dock so you can use keystrokes to quickly launch Windows 11 and move focus back into there. But then uh, the last thing about it is sometimes with uh, when you have little some of the little quirks that you can also run into is uh, I hit the windows key and I typed in, I think it was VLC for example, and hitting VLC, it said VLC on the Mac and I hit enter on that and that opened VLC in Mac OS. So parallels and windows work well together. Searching for things in the Mac will find windows things and vice versa, which can have pros and cons. Um, and launch bar works inside of parallels. So if I need to quickly open something inside a, or in Mac OS, I can just still hit command space and then I am put right into launch bar and I can navigate to where I need to mac os right from parallels that sounds awesome you'll have to keep us posted on you know how this experiment goes as you kind of move forward with using both windows and mac and uh seeing how smooth it is and seeing you know what kind of tools you end up needing to use and if it's easy enough to just bounce back and forth without too much issue so all great interesting stuff fun geeky things so Thanks for filling us in on uh, this little crazy project that you're doing. And why don't you let everyone know what we've been up to the past week or so? Yeah. So on Tuesday, we have a replay published in the podcast feed of the live call available at acb.community. Sunday, I shared with people how to configure ACB media on the Blind Channel Classic 2 with the internet radio. So you can quickly navigate your favorites to your favorite ACB media stream. And then last Thursday, I am interested to hear Marty's thoughts before he closes it up, published a, uh, podcast with text to speech from 11 labs that were reading news articles on the feed. So um, I want to hear your feedback and Marty will tell you how to leave feedback. Um, and Marty, what did you think of that before you close it up? Uh, honestly, you know, sometimes it's almost getting borderline scary. I mean, all of these you know, different, you know, audio and automation type virtual voices or fake voices or whatever you want to say. I mean, they're getting really good and they're getting really powerful and we're just kind of in the beginning stages right now. So it's going to be really curious to see how these, you know, get better over time, what kind of tools people implement them over time. Uh, I think we're just in a real interesting time right now with all of this virtual different kinds of things that we're really getting into right now between, you know, 
all the virtual voice type things and all the chat GPT stuff. And I think uh, we're going to have to come and we're going to have to revisit these topics and do a little bit of more of a deep dive, you know, in the coming weeks. So everyone stay tuned to that. And as well, if you guys want to ask any questions, drop any feedback, any of that, you can reach us at feedback at unmute.show. And thanks. And we'll see you next time. 